In the 1970s, a future top-notch podcasting team was born, and then raised on military bases because their dads were in the Air Force. These Gen Xers eventually grew up and were unleashed upon the world. Today, looking forward to retirement, they survive by dishing out their opinions. If you have questions that need answers and an open mind, if you can spare 60 minutes a week, and if you have internet access, maybe you can listen to Kenyatta and Jack Save the World. Hey, everybody. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created podcasts. And then Kenyatta and I decided we were going to save the world with one. How you doing, Kenyatta? <laughs> it's pretty good. I'm good, Jack. How are you? <laughs> More right. <sighs> we thought we'd uh, throw you guys off a little bit with that one. Just I hope bit. I did okay. You did very well. Thank you very much. It's fabulous. It's fabulous. <laughs> Listening, friends, you're you, you, if you're here, you know why. So, I don't know. I don't want to hold up the fun. Why should we? Shoot, I know there's nothing more fun than talking WTFs, indeed. And what do you have for us this, this fine <laughs> podcast day? <laughs> this one is interesting, but they're not wrong. Oh, cool. okay. <laughs> so, alumnus of the program. One Marjorie Trader Green was a a backer and a supporter of Kevin McCarthy's uh, debt ceiling deal with uh, President Biden, and most of the not really Freedom Caucus was all ticked off, and they voted no. And Marjorie used to be part of that group, but she was backing McCarthy, and so the Freedom Caucus folks have started calling her a rhino. Oh, Republican in name only. Right, right. Which technically is true because she's really a Nazi. <laughs> so they're not wrong, right? They're not wrong. And, and, and Nancy but, with bad fashion sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. But they just don't know that the reason they're not wrong. Mm, fair, yeah. You know, but that crowd caused Dick Cheney a rhino, so I'm... I'm fairly certain that that's a bit off but First yeah of all, I, <laughs> i'm sorry to interject no interject away speaking of cheney they ought to leave that man alone okay he is right he might judge. invite him for a hunting trip that's what i'm saying don't mess with that man <laughs> don't mess with don't even bring his name up like as soon as you invoke his name start start you know checking to see who's behind you in the elevator don't walk out to your car in the parking garage alone. Look what you've done. Jeez. Okay, that's all I got. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I saw that and I'm like, they're not wrong because she is a Nazi. Mm. So she really is a Republican in name only, but I don't think they realize why they're not wrong. So, yeah. Anyway, short and sweet. Sad. It's it- just more funny than anything. <laughs> Turn it on themselves. I mean, I love to see it, most definitely. Oh, me too. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't feel like the implosion is coming fast enough for me, frankly. I wish it was much faster too. I, I want to see, I want that to be our Christmas gift. Oh, that would be an amazing gift. Because, you know. For America. Indeed, because we're, we've got the, we've got the pleasure of watching the potential GOP candidates stack up. What a what a plethora of diversity that is. Right? I'm a little stunned that when Mike Pence is thinking, you know, those people that wanted to hang me on January 6th, I bet I can get them to vote for me. He's not wrong. That's that's the whole thing. Like he's not wrong. There's somebody that's been second guessing that whole business so, for the last two years. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, maybe we didn't have to go that far. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely an interesting group of Republicans that are running. You have a traitor, sex offender, traitor, crook, thief, and that's just Trump. That's not even the whole field. And then you've got uh, the other fascist, Ron DeSantis. I mean, yeah. 
you know, and Tim Scott, his announcement was incredibly weird. Uh, Nikki Haley. Is this thing on? Is this, is it? I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was kind of reminded as I was listening to this or listening to that. Remember in 92 when there was the debate with Dan Quell and whoever the opponent dude was, was it 92? No, it would have been 88. And that guy, and he said, well, I have more experience in the Senate than John F. Kennedy did. And it was Lloyd Benson and Lloyd Benson goes, I knew it. I knew JFK and you are no JFK. Remember that moment? Not, not directly, but I remember reading it. So as I was watching Tim Scott give his announcement, in my mind i kind of thought you know i know jesse jackson and you are no jesse jackson because i felt like it, uh, like the tonal beats and the way he was talking was very jesse jackson-esque i'm not don't think i'm talking jesse jack definitely not but there you know there's a rhythm to the way jesse jackson gives speeches it's okay. very uniquely jesse jackson uh-huh. right and i felt like he was trying to do this almost Jesse Jackson impersonation. And so as I'm listening to it, I'm like, I knew Jesse Jackson and you are no Jesse Jackson. Full disclosure. I in fact do not know Jesse Jackson other than his work on TV. (laughs) He's no Jesse Jackson. He is no Tito Jackson. He is not even Randy Jackson. Hmm? Latoya. He's not not even Randy Watson. Okay. Is is this is this thing on? The only thing that was more humorous, or the first thing I thought of when I saw that, was Huckabee. Ah! Yeah, that war cry and mittens binders full of women. Those are the highlights from the GOP side that year for me. I will always remember those. Those would be carved. In my brain. Oh, like, are you talking when Howard Dean did the scream? Was it Dean? I thought yeah, it was, it was Howard Dean. Yeah, that was Howard yeah, Dean. My bad, my bad. Okay, yes. Yeah, ah! when he went. And then, like, his career suddenly ended. <laughs> I I can't imagine. And I'm sorry I got them mixed up. I guess they, okay, I'm going to say something and don't be mad at me. Sometimes they all look alike. I'm saying! <laughs> you know, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> right? Listening friends, don't be mad. Don't be mad. Oh, oh man. But yes, those are the highlights. Those are the two <laughs> biggest highlights from that from that particular presidential. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Year. That uh, that would forever tickle me. Forever. Forever. Yep. 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 Anyway, that was mine. Good old good old margarine. Yours? Margarine or better flavored product? Um, mine is a little more somber. And it's an unfortunate callback to a, another incident some years ago. This happened not even a week ago. Um, down in South Carolina, uh, a young man by the name of Cyrus Carmack Belton had gone to a convenience store sometime Sunday evening. And the owner from confronted him and accused him of shoplifting. And he accused him of trying to steal some water or something. Um, kid did not. But the kid did take off out of the store and the store owner chased him and shot him in the back. The store owner fellow by the name of Rick Chow has been charged with uh, murder. As he should. As he should. Um, A quote from the sheriff, Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott quote, he did not shoplift anything. We have no evidence that he stole anything whatsoever. And that's not even something you shoot anybody over much less a 14 year old. Yeah. This unfortunately echoes another shooting years ago back in 1991 in Los Angeles, where a young 15-year-old girl by the name of Latasha Harlins went to a convenience store and was accused of shoplifting uh, a bottle of juice that didn't even cost $2, which she did not. From all, from all accounts, she had picked up the juice. The owner accused her of trying to stuff in her backpack, which she did not. She had put it on the counter to try to get her money. And the owner insisted she was trying to shoplift and fatally shot her. The store owner is a lady by the name of uh, Sue Yadu. 
and she was tried and convicted of voluntary manslaughter. The judge sentenced her to 10 years in prison, but the sentence was suspended and the defendant was placed on five years probation with 400 hours of community service, $500 restitution and funeral expenses. Wow. Yeah. That incident, along with the beating of Rodney King, were the two catalysts that sparked the L.A. riots. I and remember the a, riots well. Yes. And unfortunately, the incident there in South Carolina had terrible and tragic echoes of that particular incident back in 91. And it's 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 problematic, obviously, for the obvious reasons, but there's there's other levels to it. Unfortunately, it points to a historic distrust between Asian Americans and Black Americans that happens mm-hmm. way too often. And it, and it points to what comes up so often, regardless of, of, of the ethnic background of the, the so-called perpetrators, at any time they come across a Black person, they see that Black person as a threat, and they feel like the only way they can deal with it is in a lethal manner. And yeah. three, these are children. Yeah, maybe we could quit, you know, shooting first and asking questions later. You would think... You would think. And for shoplifting, I have a convenience yeah. store. Yeah. Like there's stores now that have policies that basically say, you see somebody stealing something, let them go. Hey, I knew somebody that worked retail. Somebody stole something. They chased after him outside of the store and they fired him because he broke company policy. So I don't know. I'm not like we were talking like before we before we started our episode today. This stuff leaves me speechless. Um. <laughs> I, I can't. I'm just I'm over it. These are children we're talking about. And it and now that I'm saying that, it points to another issue in that young black children are often adultified. I know that's not a word, but they're seen as adults and right. that that much more of a threat as though they need to be handled as such. But they're children. Right. And it, it, it springs to mind another child who died at the hands of someone who absolutely misconstrued something. And that's Tamar Rice. It's like, you really think black kids can't just be kids? And this right. is obviously not me condoning them doing something wrong. Let me just say that. But no, I'm no, not- no. That You're not saying that at all. You're saying you should be able to look at a kid and go, that's a kid. Yeah. And, and, and in none of these three instances, none of these three victims were doing anything wrong. It was the perception of. And just like yeah. you said. Someone shot first and asked questions later. In two cases, it was two civilians and one was a police officer who really should have known better. I digress. And I, so many of the people that do this shit are all part of that, you know, alpha male crap. I'm sorry, you are not an alpha male if a 13-year-old kid scares you to the point to where you feel you have to shoot them. Yes. And I've been hesitant to talk about or a related story, not a, not a child, but the killing of someone nonetheless that was perceived as a threat, the young man that was was choked to death on the subway. Oh, yeah. That. And I, it, I wanted to talk about it, but then I didn't want to talk about it because it's just, it's too much. It's too yeah. much because the same, <clears throat> the same pushbacks are happening in that story as with Trayvon Martin. Well, he did this and this and this and this. The same kind of pushback they had about George Floyd. Well, he's got a criminal record he's done things to people before at the time that these incidents happened where these people lost their lives nobody knew anything about a criminal record what you saw was someone doing something where they were not trying to physically harm anybody period yeah they got to pay for it for their lives and i'll never understand for the life of me how any any anyone who calls themselves a human being can justify the death of somebody else by saying well you know they had a criminal record so yeah so i know it, some some average Yahoo off the street or some cop gets to say, yeah, they got to die. But you knew none of that person's past when you encountered them. So how can you how can you use that as justification? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't remember what it was. It was over. It This all ties in. It was something I saw. And it was, you know, you always hear the, well, if so-and-so wouldn't have been put themselves in that situation, then mm-hmm. the cops wouldn't have had to have done that. Mm-hmm. But the very same people that say that crap, you never hear him say anything about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Well, if he would have stayed home, this never would have happened, which is equally. And 
which in his case is true. The dumbass should have stayed home. He had no reason being there. But if you're walking home from freaking 7-Eleven and you're eating a Snickers bar and somebody thinks, oh, that guy clearly stole that and you shoot him. No, the problem is with the person that shot him, not the kid or, you know what I, not, you know what I mean? The person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's just so frustrating. This, this insane shitty double standard. And, you know, we went through a period of time where there would be something that would happen and it would be like a month or two or six months before the next sort of big thing that would happen. There was kind of an outrageous type of a situation. And now it's like every two days. Hmm. You know, why do you think that just because some dude is dancing on the subway that you have to choke him out? I'm, ugh. I, I, and like I said, his excuse was he, he thought the, the guy was threatening other people. He was loud and he was, you know, screaming about being hungry and things of that nature. But there have been no, from what I've read, no accounts that he tried to approach anybody and physically do anything to him. And people right. people, and that took that route knew who he was. He was a known person in the city. Yeah. And he had had problems. True. Part of that, unfortunately, was due to his mental illnesses, which many attempts have been made to try to help him in that regard. And he is one of the many unfortunate that fell through the cracks. So before anybody says that's entirely his fault, that's that's crap too. You cannot help mental health issues like because in the, I, from what I understand, he actually had was it some sort of was he bipolar or something? I, especially something like that is what I'm getting at. Right. You can't you can't help that because I, I I like I said I've had I've had trouble. I've followed the story, but like almost at arm's length because it's just too it's just too hurtful and to read that. Yeah, but from from what I've gathered, he had over the years. There have been attempts made to get him into programs, to get him off the street, in the hospitals, and into uh, mental health facilities. And one way or the other, unfortunately, either he had been let go or funding fell through. Mm -hmm. There have been attempts to try to place him somewhere safe that didn't work out. Mm -hmm. But yes, he had arrests. And <laughs> if a story like this doesn't kind of point to the necessity of a of, uh, a reallocation of funds within law enforcement. I don't know what does because probably in whatever state he may have been in, in those encounters, encountering police did not help. Right. People are acting like that. He was just let loose on the streets to wreak havoc and harass people and this, that, and the third. And I'm like, wow, how little do you know about this man's history? All you know is that he has a, a lengthy arrest record. You have no idea the reasons why behind it. And the point is, and always has been, at the time that he was taken down and put in this chokehold, nobody knew he had an arrest record. But right. people are adamant about saying he was a he was a threat to people. Just look at all these times he's been arrested, and people have literally, you know, the keyboard warriors have literally been like, "I'm I'm glad that the man that took him down. He's a hero." Yeah. And unfortunately, before 1981-ish, he actually, his arrest record would have been probably a lot slimmer because he would have been placed in a mental health facility and hopefully received some sort of help, even though I understand people don't necessarily stay on meds or whatever. But part of the problem now is because there are no mental health facilities to take people, they just get arrested, thrown in jail for their couple of months, and then they just get thrown back on the street with this repeating cycle. Uh huh. And oddly enough, you know, after I started, I read more details of, of his past. It reminded me of, for as much trash as this movie took, they got one thing fairly accurate, I think, um, Joker, where uh, the main character, Joaquin Phoenix's character, is having sessions with a mental health professional. And then he finds out funding has been cut. And he's no longer going to have access to this or to his meds. And I'm like, that's accurate. Like there were so many people that needed help that could, that couldn't afford it otherwise. And this is the only place they could go and have funds and access to that slashed. And how many people have had the, the one and only lifeline like that cut yep. and, and ended up in stories like that young man in New York, like, but people don't want to look that far back. Yeah. They don't want to look that far back and see the reasons why. They only they only believe what they believe. And what they believe is that this man was a danger and he should have been taken out. You have got to be fucking kidding me. 
Yeah. Mm. We definitely as a country need to reevaluate our shoot first, ask questions later mindset. Definitely. And we also need to address things like mental health, which interestingly enough, listening friends is our main topic for this episode. It is. It is. We, uh, we decided to sort of talk about mental health and this obviously ties in, but partially, um, because it is the beginning of pride month and right now in America, it is for me personally, I feel it is kind of a dangerous time in certain parts of the country to be a member of the, uh, I'm just going to call them my alphabet community. And it, it, it's just a dangerous time in parts of the country. And that is going to have an effect on your mental health for that, because you're going to be in a state of, you know, worry or fear or whatever. And a lot of times you have, issues anyway because people are cruel yep which which makes which makes something you know more difficult than it need be because it shouldn't be difficult (laughs) but um i did go um now i do want to talk obviously about mental health and for everybody not just just that but i did get a couple of stats um and the question is where the heck did I save that to on my phone? Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Here I went and got prepared and pulled some stuff so I would have it. And apparently I did not save it where I thought I saved it to because I am apparently a moron. But anyway, basically what I was talking about is that um, LGBTQ kids have higher rates of suicide. And it's because people are cruel and you're just so they're just so mean and it just beats people down and beats people down and beats people down when first of all why do you care about somebody but anyway you know it shouldn't be that way somebody should not end their life because of who they are and who they love Mm -hmm. and and you you cannot tell me that if you if you have a 16 year old kid and you find out that that kid is gay and you throw them out of the house, that that's not going to have a lifelong effect on that person. From what I understand, and some of this I had found out um, when I was working some on some of our other projects for our pod, I think uh, the suicide self-harm rate for young adolescent LGBTQ+, somewhere two to three times higher. Yeah. Um, especially if they do not have family support. And just like you said, it's... The opposition and the struggle comes from so many directions. Consider that, consider when, like, when you and I were young, like 12, 13, 14, somewhere in there. A couple years ago. Sure. <laughs> you remember how tricky it was to sort out how, who we were and what we wanted to be and where we fit in. Just with that, now throw in trying to figure out your, your, your sexual identity. On top of all the all the regular schmegular degular quote unquote things that that pre adolescent and teenagers have to go through, throw that in on top of it, and then throw in the fact that you've got unfortunately a family who do not understand or do not accept that you don't fit these quote so called acceptable quote normal descriptions. Yeah, yeah, it, and as a parent. Who, um, I mean, let's be honest, last year with M, things could have turned a slightly different way and M would not be here mm-hmm. right now. My world is infinitely better with her in it. And I can't imagine her not being in it. But then it's because of things that I actively and openly did to her. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And why? why, why would you do that? <laughs> to your, you know, to your kid. And it's just the whole thing is just that's a horrible mindset. And you're exactly right. It's hard enough dealing with all your hormones when you're a kid anyway. Mm-hmm. And just the normal everyday going to school because let's be honest, teenagers in America can be pretty damn awful. They really can be. And also just confusion. Honestly, they are confusion. Yeah, I remember. I remember feeling confusion for a good number of years. Like, huh? 
It had nothing to do with schoolwork. Just like who, what, who am I supposed to be like? Yeah. Who am I supposed to hang out with? Who am I supposed to talk to? Who am I supposed to associate with? What does that mean? Am I cool? Am I not cool? What does that even mean? What the hell? Already, all of that. Yeah, you were cool. I wasn't, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it now. And I grew up just fine. So it's that's cool. But no, right. I, I don't even really honestly know what cool was supposed to be back in the day, especially where we went to school. At. What, is that? what the hell does that even mean anymore? Right. And I know, I know every generation have it, has it, obviously. I know, I know, but just having to, just having to try having to work out those issues and then, you know, turn around and, and have the, the, the people that the first people that you look to, to cover and protect you all of a sudden not understand and are not willing to, that's hard. That's, that's a hard hit that shakes you to like your very core. Like you're just now discovering who you are in those terms and the people that you that you trust and you hope will be the first one to have your back. Don't I can't imagine how hard it is to realize that either you you voluntarily leave home because you can't be there or you are forced out because they don't want you there. And either way, just like you said, it's a shitty attitude to have. And I cannot imagine turning my child out behind something like that. Nope. Yeah. My my world is much better having him in it for the rest of my life. And I can't imagine just purposely mm-hmm. not wanting to have my kid in it. Now, are they going to do things where I'm like, that was the boneheadiest, dumbest thing in the history yeah. of the planet all the time. But, <laughs> <laughs> but my life is still better with them in it. And I can't imagine doing that. And just, you know, when you see stuff like what's going on and well, my state of Oklahoma and Florida and Texas, I, that's gotta be tough on the mental health of somebody that's part of the alphabet community. And that's why I wanted to talk mental health. Talk to people. If you're having issues, don't turn inward. Don't focus inward. I know that it is difficult. I deal with depression and I know that there's no easy answer, but talking to someone does help. Right now, it is difficult to find therapists. COVID turned the books of all therapists in this country, they are booked up full Mm -hmm. (laughs) because of COVID, because I guess people didn't like being by themselves. But find somebody, talk to somebody. You know what? If you're 19 years old and you feel the world is coming down on you because of your sexual orientation, find somebody that's, you know, in that same community that's in their thirties or forties, because they probably experienced something similar. And while they're not going to be a therapist, they're going to be able to help you. They're going to talk. They're going to be able to talk to you though. There is somebody that will be there for you that went through something similar when they were younger, that will be able to help you. Don't, don't turn it to the point to where it's so inward that it is just a dark hole. Find somebody to talk to and, there are resources that you can, uh, you know, use the old Google machine and find somebody, you know, but please, 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 please. The world is a better place with you in it, <laughs> unless you're Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, then maybe the world is not a better place with you in it, but everybody else, the world is a better place with you in it. And I know it's the, cliche campaign that was out there but it will get better and just find somebody that you respect that you trust and that they're going to that they there's someone that will listen to you even if all even if all you have is maybe you don't necessarily have a person but there are plenty of resources also just like jack said um Google, there are plenty of resources for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, I know one of them, we did a a little mini profile back um, last year when we were doing our Good Friday series on socials, listening friends, you know what that was if you've been following us. The site was called The Trevor Project. And I know they're one of the ones that offer both toll free, 24 hour toll free and online chat resources to be able to talk to someone. And of course, as always, the American Psychological Association, their website offers resources for any and everybody. But um, 
there are plenty of resources out there. If all you can get to is a computer or your phone, there are plenty of ways that you can do that. And sometimes it has to be done discreetly because you may be in an environment where you can't be open about that. So these things can also be done discreetly if need be, but by all means, like Jack said, if, if you have the means and you can reach out to somebody, reach out to somebody. Please yeah. do. These are, yeah. these are trying times and folks are waging war on many marginalized communities. So by all means, shore up your resources. If you have people around you, by all means. And if you don't, there's still other ways you can go. So we know it's it's it, it mo- we know it maybe sounds simple or easy from where we're sitting at, but trust us when we say yes, it is better that you are here. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know our our veteran community they also are having a a mental health crisis right now. Twenty two veterans a day are committing suicide, mm-hmm. and that's just where they know for certain that it's suicide. That number is probably higher because there probably are veterans that do it, and it just doesn't get reported that way. And uh, you know, once again, you you guys went through hell when you were wherever you were deployed at. And I know that getting, you know, that can lead you to dark place mentally too. But once again, reach out, get help. The world is better with you in it. People need you in it. When you think about all the things that have been happening, it feels like literally back to back to back to this country as as a whole. And obviously to an extent, the world, of course, with, uh, with COVID. And like Jack said, so many people were isolated. Um, especially people in big cities where lockdowns and restrictions were a lot tighter. So a lot of people were inside for weeks at a time. Like they, they barely went outside even for the necessities. And then of course you had older folks that weren't as mobile that, you know, were had very limited access to, to basic resources. And, and already the elderly also was another community that unfortunately does see a lot of isolation and loneliness. Um, a lot of times, And and I'll say this, one of the aspects I do love about certain ethnic backgrounds is there are some that are more engaged with taking care of their elderly than others. It's unfortunate, but it is facts. And for those elderly folk that maybe didn't have family around, COVID was very hard. And there were so many, so many volunteers that sprang up. That's, I think that may be really the only beneficial or positive thing that came out of the whole COVID, especially those early months with the lockdown, is that were so many people stepped up and offered their time and their energy and their resources to help out marginalized communities that couldn't or didn't have access to company or to food or things of that nature. There were so many people that stepped up for that. And it was, I think, I think in those cases, it was more than them just delivering, let's say, a meal or two a day. It was the fact that they were showing up and spending some time with these folks when they can. And when you think about, like I said, like in the bigger cities where, where, where lockdowns are more restrictive, when you think about not being able to see another living person for days at a time, it's different from when you want to stay in the house. This was the case where folks had to stay in the house. And no matter what you did, it was scary to go outside. Mm-hmm. or you had health restrictions that wouldn't allow you to be around people to have someone come and not just drop off a meal, but 10, 20 minutes of their time to see how you're doing. Do you need anything else? I think things like that went a long way into helping a, a lot of us work through those early months, especially like the better part of 2020 mm-hmm. work through, um, that kind of isolation because most of us in the modern world, we don't have to, we don't have to not be around people. If we, if we're not around people, it's most because we don't want to be. Right. And I think people like I can speak for myself all of a sudden having had work jobs where I was always in somebody's face eight hours a day to go from that to just me and my daughter for a time and then doggone cats. I'm like, (gasps) And for me, that was a whole lot of time of self-reflection, but it was a whole lot of time I spent by myself and I wasn't used to it. And I can't imagine someone that had maybe already had their struggles having to go through that alone. Like we talk about COVID and then even going further back with the whole political climate as it has been for the last 
eight years. <laughs> and it that just gets, as you've, you've heard us talk about frequently, it seems to just be getting more and more steeped and calculated. Yeah. As far as the ways that, that people are willing to disenfranchise and dehumanize other people, that is worrisome. That just that produces yes. like this low level anxiety that you just it's very hard to shake. Like, what are they going to come up with next? And it makes you it makes you angry. It makes you anxious. And it's like, where can I go? Who can I talk to to vent these things? And just like just like Jack was saying, therapists are booked. They, they they've been staying booked for these last few years. But there are other resources out there. And it is important no matter no matter what, from what angle or to what degree you're, you're facing struggles, whether it be working through your, your sexual identity, whether it be working through the various assaults on your freedoms or your very existence. Right. It seems to be coming from all angles more and more often. And I think it's more important than ever to not only take advantage of the resources if you have them, but to make those in charge aware that they're more needed now than ever. Yep. Yeah. And there is no shame. I This country talking to a therapist, for whatever reason, people seem to think that that makes you weak or whatever. There is no shame in talking to a therapist. In fact, I think it makes you a stronger person. Putting Putting your whole inner feelings out there. Yeah, that takes an immense amount of courage. It really does. It really does. And sometimes for some folks speaking to someone that they don't know that is um, impartial and unbiased helps. It's tough sometimes to go to someone, you know, because you feel like there'll be a whole lot more judgment coming from someone, you know, as in you should know better or I don't know why that bothers you. Going to someone you don't know sometimes ends up being the better option only because it allows you to be more comfortable to say things that you feel like would scare off other people. So, yeah, um, but it is, I think it's tantamount more than ever as, as the days go by, I think it gets more and more important to pay attention to our mental health. Just like, you know, your doctor says, make sure you come in for your physicals once a year, every two years, make sure you know, you'll get your colonoscopy at 45. Make sure you start getting checked for prostate at this age. Make sure you start getting mammograms at this, whatever the case may be. Those kind of reminders are also necessary for your mental health. And while you don't necessarily always need to go to a doctor or a trained professional for these things, make sure you're aware. Sometimes, sometimes all it can take is you walking around the block for 10, for 10 minutes, clear your head or meditate or yoga. Sometimes the small things work. Sometimes you have to go to more, but whatever it is and to whatever degree you need it, seek it out. Your mind matters. Yeah. I, you know, last year, um, just going through what we went through with him. I was like, I, I got to talk to somebody. This is just the effect on me has just been way, way, way too much. And it took a while for me to find a therapist that had some of the qualifications or, you know, some of the things I was looking for and was taking patients. I, I made a lot of phone calls trying to find somebody and I lucked out that the first therapist that I actually got an appointment to and went to, um, he was the ideal therapist for me. Mm-hmm. Um, truthfully, we would probably hang out if he wasn't my therapist. <laughs> but um, he, it has been so helpful talking to him. Now, I did initially go with, you know, for that one particular thing, because it was pretty traumatic watching her go through what she went through mm-hmm. in her recovery. Um. But since that time, he, he helped. He certainly helped me with that. But we've talked about a lot of other stuff that I'll say something to him that happened to be like in my childhood. And he'll be like, wait a minute. How have you not mentioned this before? And I'm like, I don't know. I didn't think about it. And he's like, you know, that's kind of an important thing that happened in your life. You probably should have told me this sooner. <laughs> you know? and just stuff like that. And it's been 
it's been validating that certain things that sort of occurred to me in my lifetime that he's looked at it and been like, you know, you're right. What happened to you was wrong. Mm -hmm. Let's acknowledge this. Let's talk about it. And then we can move past it. And it has been incredibly helpful um, for me. Honestly, uh, I was at first going once a week and then I scaled it to uh, every other week. Now I'm only going once a month. Um, honestly, I would be fine if I didn't go once a month. If I stopped altogether, I like going. It's good. That once a month, I look forward to going and talking to him and seeing him and getting some stuff, you know, out there. And it's, it is so helpful. And I always just mentally feel so great <laughs> after I leave. And that's the way it should be. That's, that's, if there, <clears throat> if there's any place that you you can go into a room and spend an hour and come out feeling refreshed and refocused, it's in a place like that. And just like you said, looking for a good therapist, when that matches, is it in, that is in sync with you? It is like a shopping process. You try one, it doesn't work. You go to the next, and it, yep. it should definitely be that way. And <clears throat> Excuse me. That's why I'll always come back to making a priority of funding on a local level more mental health resources, whether whether it's beds in hospitals, whether it's walk-in clinics or anything of that particular nature. On some level, governments, local governments need to revisit public funding of this. It's It's not a game. It's not a joke because... And I, I hate to give those these kind of people that excuse, but all of these deranged folks walking around here with uh, light trigger fingers, not that I'll ever excuse anything they did for any reason, but clearly there's something going on there. They, they may have benefited from, from talking to somebody, maybe, maybe not, but who knows now in a lot yeah. of cases, and it doesn't matter. And even for people who aren't prone to go out there and commit violence, they deserve access, fair and equitable access to mental health facilities. Like you and I, in our cases, we can do that and we're helped along, you know, because we happen to have jobs that have insurance. But then there are people that have jobs that don't have insurance or the, in the insurance for their job is unaffordable or they, yeah. work time, they don't have benefits. It's a whole variety of, of reasons why people can't. And it's not because they won't. So me personally, I would, I would love to see a more focused effort to bring, bring money and resources back to funding those kinds of things, especially yeah. in schools. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. As, as I was thinking about what we were going to talk about tonight, strangely enough, I was thinking about to, what was it last, uh, I guess it was July, September, when we did the episode on things that are privileged that you don't realize equates to privilege, having a mm -hmm. washer and dryer. Mm -hmm. Having access to uh, being able to go talk to a therapist is also a type of privilege because there is a large chunk of the country that's in that poverty cycle that there's just no way in hell that you can afford to go talk to a therapist because it's not cheap. It's not cheap. And even having insurance, you still got to pay a little sum out of pocket. And depending, yeah. on, and depending on where you are after a certain while, that may even be cost prohibitive. It's it's just, and with the, you know, like you said, with the explosion of, of available therapists online, accessibility becomes a little less of an issue. But still, again, there's whether or not you can consistently and long term pay for that kind of thing. And that's not always possible for people to do that long term. So, yep. like I said, and you're, and you're right, talking about this, you know, for June is tantamount just because of the increased risk that the LGBT community is at for having mental, we'll say mental violence inflicted on them. But it's tantamount yeah. for everybody to a lesser or lesser, a greater or lesser extent, I think. I think a lot of us could could benefit from it, even if we don't really think about it. I think a lot of us could benefit from it, even, yeah. if, you know, every once in a while. 
I, I don't think there's anything wrong. You can even think about it as maintenance. Like, and I'm not comparing people to cars, but like taking your car for an oil change or tune-up. You take care of it before anything major happens. Yep. So Yeah, and this is my thinking was, if ever there was a year where you there was going to be pushback during pride events and stuff like that it would be this year mm. <laughs> because yeah. there there's a certain group of people that due to legislation and stuff like that feel that they will have been given permission to do stuff and even if it's just yelling at people and treating people like crap that weighs on you it does and i just i want people to not be afraid to talk to somebody. Definitely. Definitely that. And I, I I want for a whole lot of things. I can say that personally. Not least of which is still, after the last 25 years, a 24-karat 24, 24 gold toilet. I still want that. But realistically, and you know what? I'll take it back. I might be more likely to get that toilet. I was going to say. Then to see fair and equitable access to mental health resources. I hate saying that. Oh yeah, there's goodness. a guy with a 24 karat gold toilet that might have to sell it to pay for some legal fees. I won't take it. I won't do it. I don't but, care. <laughs> no. Right. And that's that's how I protect my mental health. Is <laughs> making sure I care as little as possible. For that fella, but I digress. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> I mean, he to be honest, and this is not me in any way empathizing <laughs> with that guy, but he could use some therapy. <laughs> oh my god. It would be like a whole it'd be a whole team of therapists. <laughs> Just <laughs> and a therapist might be something he goes through faster than attorneys. That too. <laughs> That's I can't imagine. I can't imagine being a therapist and getting a call from his camp. He would like to set up an appointment with you. Like, oh no, 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 no. I no, I pass. I no, nope, 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 nope. But he'll he'll pay you. He'll pay you a thousand dollars an hour. Still nope. Nope, nope. You know what though? We could get him a what was it a. Billy Big Mouth Bass wall hanging thing. He could talk to that. Maybe that would give him some good advice. I would give him better advice than Giuliani. Oh, anyway. Don't do Speaking it. Speaking of attorneys needing <laughs> attorneys. <laughs> Dang it. I left that wide open, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Uh, I know this is a slightly different type of episode that we normally do, but your mental health is important. Mm -hmm. Going to talk to somebody does not make you weak. In fact, it makes you stronger because being able to tell somebody what's going on internally does take a bit of strength because mm -hmm. we all have things deep down that we don't want to share or express. And it mm -hmm. does take a bit of strength to, to do that. And you will feel better and it will make you be a better dad, a better mom, a better husband, a better wife, a better human being person mm -hmm. all all around mm -hmm. but not just to others but to yourself that's the point and once you're starting to feel better about yourself you'll be better to others and you know just the world's better with you in it don't don't be afraid to to seek help when you need it definitely that definitely that and in the words of that boy, Randy Watson, I believe the children are our future. <laughs> That's are. all I got. That's what I got. That's right. <sighs> That's what I got. But it's true. Our children are our future. And we and we in the role of so-called adults and grown-ups, generations that come behind us. I feel in a way we are obligated to, if we have it, help them along a better path. 
in whatever way that we grew up and whatever path we took to get to where we are, we always look back to ones behind, especially, you know, the ones we gave birth to and we want to make it a little bit easier for them. So, yeah. And, and kids are, you know, the young adults that are kids age, they're having it tough and their, you know, source of, of stressors are coming from a different, a different direction. Now I'm reading stuff about social media. Yeah. Being like a literal, you know, eighth circle of hell. And I believe it. Some of the stuff that I see, but I'm a little bit older and we're older and we can put that kind of stuff in perspective when you're younger. Again, you're in that, that space where you're trying to figure out who, who am I, where do I belong? What am I supposed to be doing? And you see all this, this fakery and this, this glitz and this, you know, fake facade that can do a number on you too. Yeah. And so, remember Kenyatta and I come from a generation where our parents thought that it was perfectly acceptable for six-year-olds to play with darts that were a foot long, throw them in the air and see where that giant foot long dart landed. <laughs> right. <laughs> we, used to climb, we used to climb trees, folks, trees <laughs> and fences, whether we were supposed to or not, we did all of that and we're still here to talk about it. So. And to be honest, hell, that might have been our mental health therapy. We didn't even know. <clears throat> That's right. Any minute a lawn dart was going to come raining down from the sky. I mean, there was a certain kind of excited anticipation in that. Yep. I anyway. Don't know, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> There's no good segue from talking about <laughs> mental health to anything and try to lighten it up with some lawn dart jokes. True. Gen X will get it. If you're younger than that, Google lawn darts. He's like, oh, I played this on the Wii. Um, and with that, <laughs> listening friend, thank you for hanging out with us again for another 60th minutes. Um, Jack, do you want to take us out? Sure. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening. If you would like to support us, we do have some expenses. You can do so at Buy Me a Coffee backslash hyperfocus pods. And with that, we will catch you oh actually real quick programming note um we will be taking the next week off uh we have a few things that are kind of going and we decided it's our podcast and we'll take a week off so we'll we will catch you in two weeks everybody don't right. worry keep following our socials we'll have lots of fun things happening but in the meantime bye And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>